Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. How's it going, everyone? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas for another episode of the Go Long Podcast uh, brought to you by Hamburg Brewing. Uh, definitely head on down, get some beer. The Hoptimonium hits you in the best way possible. Double IPA 8.0, the real deal. I can't say enough about that beer right now. Everybody should head down to Hamburg Brewing if you're in Western New York. Pick up a four-pack, stay around a while. It's They're, they're up and running. And um, I, I'd be remiss to say, also, Jim, we are part of the uh, the Blue Wire Network, too. So everybody out there, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, be sure to go to Blue Wire, uh, Twitter, Instagram, online, where, wherever you can find them. I have a whole family of podcasts, um, any team you can think of. Greg Olson has a great podcast on there, uh, but definitely check them out. And with that, Jim, um, man, we got a lot to get into Uh I think first things first, right? Like Carson Wentz going to Indianapolis. Everybody's got an opinion of Carson Wentz. I think we tend to share the same opinion, but I'll let you dive into it first. I mean, it's a conditional pick Well, they get the third, the third rounder, obviously this year, but then a second rounder next year that can become a first if, if Wentz basically plays enough games. Um, but this dude, he's got talent. I mean, 2017, he was the MVP before he tore his ACL. We tend to forget how special he really was that year. But as uh, as you're going to get into with the listeners here, I mean, you were on to Carson Wentz very, very early on, uh, long before that hype machine really picked up into the draft that year. Tyler, good to see you. Cheers. 
I wish Cheers. we could be together. Yes. I wish we were at Hamburg together drinking, and I'm dying to try that Hoptimonium, that 8.0. Oh. I might not right. be able to taste. I might not have taste right now, but I can still feel things. So I'm 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 interested <laughs> in trying. I'm interested in trying a couple of those. So. Well, I got moving a little too fast there. What are you drinking tonight? What are you working? Have you get? I had to go back to the champagne, a little highlight tonight because I've just been quarantining. So I haven't had a chance to go get load up more on my Hamburg brews. So got to go with the high life tonight. I hear you. Well, I'm working a little frosty, the IPA, good standard uh, Hamburg beer. That'd be a good nickname for you. I think yeah. frosty. Frosty? You think so? Yeah, a little bit. I like it. It's kind of every time you, you're picking a beer, I feel like that frosty comes up. Frosty IPA. <laughs> I'm a Louis guy through and through. No, but, that's uh, you. You you are. You are. That's your number one. You said that from the start. It's good. I mean, we're not just, you know, blowing smoke, too. We really enjoy their beer. So no, we do. You can, can check we them do. out. And if you like um, reading my stuff at Go Long as well, like if you're on that email list, getting the free stories or just checking out as a non-subscriber every once in a while, follow me on Twitter at Ty Dunn and, you know, I, I'll send you a, some free beer if you, you sign up and you subscribe. So be on alert because the beer will be flying you know tyler i like the um the happy hour too that uh we've been doing um oh, you man. promote that on there that people i hope some of these i hope people get in on that happy hour because it's kind of a free-for-all we just like to take some questions and have some fun with it so i mean if, if people like the mm-hmm. podcast and mm-hmm. they they would love the happy hour i gotta say i mean it's as much as a uh, jim is kissing my butt here jim you you make it when you pop on i mean you and doug the stories you guys have are just unbelievable and you're pretty unfiltered on the podcast. I mean, you are unfiltered and which, which I love like you're, you're yourself. And I'm so grateful that I get to have every day of this podcast with you before you're running an NFL team. But I mean, people got to get into those, those zoom happy hours because it's next level. I mean, it's off the record conversations, the kind of stuff that um, and the stories on people in this league that I don't think you can hear anywhere else. So Definitely a perk, I believe, of being a subscriber to go along. It's only for subscribers every Friday at six. And this Friday, um, yeah. today, if you're listening, we're going to have Alan Robinson on, who we're going to get into later. will be kind enough to uh, join and, and answer your free agency questions. So get on on it if you can. So back to the Wentz stuff. Um, this was big today. I was I was really intrigued by. It. I was waiting to see. I mean, you know, you heard all the Colts rumors, and it made sense with Frank Reich. Um, I I can't think of a better fit, you know, for Wentz. And if he is who I think we think he is physically and talent wise, which we've seen him do, so we're not guessing. We've seen him do it. He gets back to that form with that running game and offensive line and that defense. You know, you have to put them in contenders. I mean, I always, you know, I personally wasn't a Philip Rivers fan this year. I thought he was very average and, and not that he held them back, but he certainly didn't elevate them to where, you know, what I think a Carson Wentz can do. And I think about back, you know, Bill's fans would like this, but Whaley and I were in on him early. Our scouts loved him. Our area scouts um, in Buffalo at the time were all over him. And we're thinking North Dakota State. Okay, really? And we start watching him and it's, you see all the physical skill set. It's, it's, it just was so fun to see his size and the way he could move around and whipping the ball around. The issue with him really in college was, and it's kind of funny, was he never really put complete seasons together with some injuries and some strength. Even his, his last year, we went and saw him, he was coming off an injury and he was playing in the national championship game in, in uh, Frisco, Texas. 
and we flew down there, Willie and I flew down there to watch him and because uh, he was coming off the injury and he, the weather was windy, cold. He had zero issues about it. He came out like he was playing all season. He was right in rhythm. Um, the team rallied around him. Everything you wanted to see, we saw it and we're like, we would have to give it up. We'd have to give up everything. I mean, we weren't, we weren't in great shape to even do it. We really weren't. And we talked to Rex was obviously open to it. The Bulls were open, but when we really sat down and looked at everything we had to give up to go get them, um, it, we just really couldn't pull it off to get, cause we figured we'd have to get to two and, you know, give credit to the Eagles. I, I, it's crazy that they couldn't make this work. And there's so much that goes on in there. You touched on it in one of your articles. It was great about, you know, Howie Roseman. I've known Howie for a long time. And, you know, he, he's a trained football. He's a, he's a salary cap guy. That's how he got into the business. And he trained himself to, to kind of study football. And he did. He worked really hard. He had a passion to be a GM. He came up under Mike Tannenbaum, uh, Joe Banner in Philly, did a lot of grooming with Howie. And he is, he is off the charts intelligent. Um, incredible with money, with the salary cap. I always thought he did a great job with that. And he surrounded himself. What I always thought how he did was surround himself with some very experienced evaluators in high level positions under him. But I don't know when you're not in the building, you don't know how things go down and you don't know how bad it can get. But everything you hear from out of there, and I'm sure you did your digging too. It was just the relationship was done. I think Wentz felt burned. I thought he felt like he was getting sold out that's how it came across to me anyway, where he was like, you guys are making this my fault. Like that we don't have any depth and we're injured and we're not drafting. Well, this is my fault. Couldn't protect me. Guess what? Here we are in this NBA NFL now. And I love it. I can't get enough of it. I think it makes for the greatest takes the NFL to a whole other atmosphere. And the fact that now we can sit back now we're watching where you know, Deshaun Watson goes, there's going to be another wild card. I still think Carr in Vegas is a wild card. I, for some reason, I think there's something going on there. But in Chicago, uh, you know, Chicago's an interesting team we'll talk about with Allen Robinson, but they have to be coming up with something at quarterback. So back to Wentz, though, I mean, it really was one of those things where if he gets his, his confidence back, his mental stability back, the physical skill set is just it just puts them in a whole league of they're competing with Buffalo again and KC. And I think those are the teams right away in the AFC that you're going to pay attention to. No doubt. I mean, there's so much there. I want to ask you about Jim. That was phenomenal. I mean, with so really, I, we were talking about it before we hit record. The, our, I think our first interaction was really uh, at that senior bowl in Mobile, Alabama. It was right after my first year covering the bills at the Buffalo news, Rex's first year down there in mobile, we bumped into each other, I think in the bleachers right behind the bleacher area. And, uh, and I, we, I don't even know if we have ever talked to each other before we you know, maybe yeah. see each other here and there. I was like, oh, what, I was like, Oh, what do you think of Carson Wentz? And you kind of gave me a look like he's the real deal. Like he's good. And we didn't know each other. And I'm thinking, all right, is this guy just bullshitting me because he might want me to write a story mm-hmm. like pumping this guy mm-hmm. up which I did. I'm sure I did. And that was legit. Like you really just like this guy and you guys considered making a push. I mean, that you had some ammo, right? That was the year you took uh Shaq Lawson and then you moved up for Reggie Ragland. Or, I don't it would have been hard. Up. It would have been hard. I don't know how you would have done it. Like if it got, to it would have had to be those. Yeah. It was mortgage in the future and it was all that. I mean, which you just done at. for Sammy. And that was, and, and which, what, which I talked about where Terry Pagula was like that, 
no, that was not the right move for a receiver. And he was correct. And we were, you know, we were, we admitted that, but for a quarterback is different. And, you know, and that's, that was that goal. We get this guy. Finally, we can at least say, okay, yeah. got the quarterback in place. Cause we were just beating our heads into the wall. And he, I, I didn't even think he and golf were comparable to be honest on college tape. I, you know, we, none of us really did. I mean, you, golf to you, us. You take it yeah. easy on Jared. Take it easy. Well, I, I'm not going to beat him up because I, you know, he's he's proven to be a decent quarterback. But um, I'm just I'm just excited to see Wentz, just because we love watching football. I just want to see him back to who he was. Watching him this year was almost it. It, it was strange on tape. Mm -hmm. It looked it looked wrong. Like it didn't he didn't belong out there. He didn't he was a mess. He really was. And it was the whole thing was just this is how it works. Blow it up. They decide, hey, no head, let's get rid of the head coach, let's get rid of the quarterback, and let's go. And I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be the answer in Philly. I don't. You're gonna that that one I'm not buying. It's gonna take he he didn't he has some, I think, incredible qualities. I think he's an ideal backup, but I don't see him as your your guy, you know. So they're Philly is now in a spot where you know you don't want to be where we have a franchise quarterback and you had him. You had him. You had him and you, you paid him. That That's why I wrote, like, I think they did the right thing in paying him. Like you saw more than enough there to know he's your guy. And I, I love your perspective on Howie Roseman because I feel like he's a guy that we don't know anything about really. He's just like this weird kind of mythical figure that, you know, lost his power struggle to Chip Kelly, then got it back and he's a genius I mean, I'm watching that replay of the Super Bowl, like right down here in my basement and last Sunday. And it was pretty wild to hear Al Michaels. Like they zoom in on Howie Roseman, like right like there's like 12 seconds left before they win the Super Bowl. And he calls just says he's phenomenal twice. And like, oh my God, this amazing job he did building this team. And I think we all kind of did that 180, like, oh, this guy, like, look at this team. And then everything went wrong. Like after that game, they everything he did was basically wrong in retrospect from the draft and passing on DK Metcalf for, um, what was that? Yeah. RCA Whiteside, right? Yep. Whiteside. And I think you pointed out another receiver. Uh, they took uh, Justin Reed, Jefferson. Right. Yeah, they could add Jefferson. And yes, I thought that was a great, yeah. you, you, that was nice. You pointed those out because this is how you can start setting yourself back when you start missing on these high picks like this. And, you know, the franchise quarterback can only bail you out for so long. Howie Roseman is obviously tight with the owner in Philly, Jeffrey Lurie. Joe Banner is no longer, you know, when I was working in Philly, Joe Banner was Jeffrey Lurie's right-hand man. Well, you see who's still standing in Philly. It's Howie Roseman. So you know how you can see where that, that there was a connection there between Jeffrey and God, Howie. Isn't that, that fascinating, Jim? Like, mm -hmm. it really, I mean, I would love oh, to be a, a fly. You could do a, a freaking tv show and the power struggle within an nfl franchise it's amazing when i was in so we had, philly brings in tom heckert from miami to be the to run the general manager job after they got rid of tom modrak um because andy reed really had all the power he still does well i mean still did until he uh, obviously right. he and how he came to their fallout but andy reed had the power brings in tom heckert and here's where it gets interesting you know, how he really wasn't a part of, he wasn't a part of any of our, you know, he was a part of free agent meetings, you know, but Joe Banner was the head salary cap guy. So how he was just learning, but Tom Heckert, he brought in his, his right-hand man was Jason Light, who is the huh. GM now in, in Tampa. But 
long story short, I mean, Hecker was tight with Howie and they were all, they, they were all trying to be buddy, buddy at the end of when I left, they all were not friends anymore. I mean, to go to your point, it gets really crazy at the top. And these guys were friends, you know, outside of the office and Joe Banner, Jeffrey Laurie, Howie, I, that thing, Tom, they all blew up. It's Tom Heckard and Tom Mojack are both passed away, which is crazy. Um, Heckard died a little bit younger than Tom, but obviously, but it, it's just crazy to think about the power struggle at the top. It's amazing. Like it, it really is. I know the, the game of Thrones comparisons get thrown around like way too much, but it reminds me of Thrones. Like just that, the, the, the backs, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there isn't necessarily a King Joffrey or Ramsey Bolton, you know, doing the, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of backstabbing going on. Probably there, there's probably a lot of backhanded deals and a lot of, you know, put, you know, and I don't talking down on people like at the top and just people trying to climb that ladder. Right. You don't think, and I know this for a fact, and, and this is why, you know, I tell you that we needed to be, they needed to clean up the scouting department in Buffalo when McDermott took over and brought in Brandon, because they had a, we had a, and Whaley, when he got promoted to GM, brought in myself and Kelvin Fisher from Pittsburgh as directors. I was director of player personnel. Kelvin was mm-hmm. director of college. Well, there was about six or eight guys that were currently on Buffalo staff area, you know, scouts and guys that had been there for years that they wanted an opportunity at those positions, you know, but, you know, Whaley brought in, the two people he had close relationships with because when you're at the top like gm your next two people under you better be guys you can trust because everybody else yeah. under you they wanted our jobs yeah. and yeah and it makes for a very awkward work environment it really can um and, and it, it just makes for you don't know who you can trust you don't know who's talking to who it, it it's just hard it really is and that's why i say I love how Buffalo is structured right now. I really do think that I, I just, that it's a place you'd want to work, you know, as far as, okay, you know, who's in charge, you know, who everybody, who's making decisions and who brought in who, you know, Sean, you know, Brandon brought in Joe Shane, a, a bunch of guys, to be honest with you, their, their personnel staff is actually, they have titles coming out everywhere, yeah, but man. they're all, they all previously kind of worked together. They had relationships and that's how you build, the backbone. And I, I felt like we had that in New Orleans, um, but I never felt that in Buffalo. And it was part of the reason I think we really struggled as a staff. You did tell me, I think Doug did as well, like that you kind of did tell Sean, like, look, we, we want to try to find the players that you want. You wanted that relationship to we work. In, and you guys were pretty optimistic <clears throat> that it, that it could work for hey, a decent we, amount of time. We did. We really tried. I mean, shit, we got Sean the interview. You know, we got Sean yeah. in the door, yeah. and we want we, we wanted it to work. And Sean didn't feel comfortable with us, and he has every right if he didn't feel comfortable. And he knows this is his big shot, and he had to be honest with the Bagulas. And it, I know it wasn't easy for them to do what they did, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm I'm telling. I've said it before. You have to take a step back, and they did the right thing. It's, it's structured correctly there. Unbelievable perspective. I don't know if I could have your grace in similar situations in life. So good, good lesson for all listeners out there. Um, back to Carson Wentz then. So he's in Indianapolis. It's a great situation. They had maybe the best running back in football the last month of the season, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best offensive line in football. The DeForest Buckner trade, home run. Xavier Rhodes, completely rejuvenated in Indy, out of Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. 
Um, Darius Leonard. I mean, he might be one of the best linebackers in football. They, they've got a lot to work with here, don't they? Oh, I think so. And, and they get Marlon Mack back. Yeah. And totally that forgot guy's about him. good. He's a good, um, they, they have depth, you know, they, they, they're pretty free as far as, and this is what you want to do this time of year. You want to set yourself up going into the draft where you can just draft best player available and get the freaking positions out of your mind. You want to nail free agency, hold down who you want to hold down, and you need to enter that draft. That's that's what you do this time of year. You're game planning to eliminate all kind of uh, tunnel vision during the draft where we're just taking the best player. You, you, you hate when you say, shit, we got wiped out in free agency. We got to sign, hey, we need a right guard. Like we didn't get anybody. And all of a sudden now, you start bumping guards, you know, that guard that maybe should have been a fourth round pick. Now you're taking them in the second round, you know, and that's how you get in trouble in the draft. That's why this part of the off season is just so fascinating because a lot, fascinating. a lot of teams need a quarterback and a lot of teams probably love certain quarterbacks, hate certain quarterbacks, but guess what? That, that <clears throat> musical chairs tune, it's playing right now. And now all these teams are kind of walking around and they don't really know like what, what, what are the bears going to do? Like, what's their, like, what, what the hell are you going to do if you're the, what are you going to do if you're the Patriots? Cam Newton threw eight touchdowns last year. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you, you're going back through the media guide, you know, to the 1940s and you're seeing those kind of passing numbers. Like they got to do something. And that music is, is going to start slowing down and then that music's going to stop and you're going to have who you have a quarterback. I don't think t- you know what the bears are probably going to do not to jump ahead, but like they're probably going to have to do what they did before with Mike Glennon and Trubisky, like bring on a veteran and who may or may not be your guy draft somebody who may or may not be your guy. And they're not even really picking at the top of the draft, obviously this time. So that is not where you want to be. (laughs) If you're, if you're an NFL team, that's why I love what Frank Reich and Chris Ballard did. It's like identify a guy, identify a need, do it. And they pulled the trigger and they didn't have to give up. I mean, they, you know, it could be a first round pick, but it's not, not nearly the damage it could have been for filling a, a just such a position of that you, you got to have, you either have it or you don't. You think if Carson Wentz returns to who we think he is, you think we're ever going to talk about what they gave up for him? Wow. Nope, not a second. So I love the gamble. Um, you know, I don't know. It is a gamble. It is because after the way he played this year was concerning, but at least, you know, that he has played at the highest of levels, you know, at least it's on tape. You're not guessing, you're not projecting, Hey, we can get this out of him. No, he did it. He took a step back. It can come. It's going to, I really do believe in that. I, I feel like he has that drive in him as, a, as a person, Carson Wentz and a competitor that I, I think we're going to see this. This is going to be pretty interesting. You know, the Deshaun Watson stuff, I guess this is going to be the next domino that, you know, the big one. This is the biggest one. And, of course, Miami, I know, we, you know, and Carolina has come into play. Um, that's become the new kind of hot team to get Watson. That is the clearest, best option, I think, for Deshaun Watson and for Carolina. I think it gets Deshaun out of the AFC, gets him away from Mahomes. You go right to the NFC to that division with Carolina where Saints don't have a quarterback Brady at some point is going to stop, I guess. And uh, Atlanta, Matt Ryan's, you know, they're, he's on his way out. So they're going to, you know, they'll be in somewhat of a question mark. Who's their good quarterback moving forward. Carolina gets Deshaun. They're the best team in that division. 
So right away, you're and and I can't think of a better situation for him. You know, he's from Georgia, played at Clemson, which isn't far from Charlotte at all. So you have a huge Deshaun Watson fan base there that would just it it would really be the ideal spot for him. I really I was happy to hear Carolina was trying to get in on that because it makes so much sense. You know, it. I mean, so many teams make a lot of sense. It's like it starts with Nick Casario yeah. and Jack Easterby really looking at their roster and realizing, all right, we're not going to be good for a very, very long time. Like they, they should want all these picks. They should want to reset. It makes too much sense. I, I mean, maybe it's posturing with what they're saying right now. And Deshaun Watson is a Houston Texan and we're going to work on that relationship, but guess what? I mean, they're calling Deshaun Watson and he ain't picking up the phone. Like, I'm t- I'm talking to people in his inner circle. Like he wants nothing to do with this franchise. He feels lied to, um, you know, to backtrack in case people didn't read it. Like, you know, when he signed that contract extension right before the season started, obviously it's a lot of money. It's a commitment, all of that. I, th- I think that he did have a little bit of concern at the time. So conversations had, they tell him, look, you'll have a say if we make these big decisions, right or wrong, you know, we could have that debate, but they, they told him like, you'll, when we're looking for a coach, a GM, whatever, like this is from the top down, you'll, you'll have a seat at the table. That time came. Um, he said, Hey, why don't we just take a look at Eric B And they wasn't telling him like hire this guy, but let's take a look at him. They, they never did. He felt ignored, which meant he felt lied to. He's looking at the team, the complete lack of defense running game. It's the roster is really, really bad. And I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, the, the, the ship is sinking and, the power we're talking about, you know, gaining power within an NFL franchise. I don't know what Jack Easterby did, but somehow a, a character coach worked his way to the top. And I don't think Deshaun Watson wants anything to do with this. And I think it would be in the Texans' best interest to just get a bounty of picks for him. And and they would. There, there's a there is a real vibrant market, and he is one of, if not the best quarterback in football. And if Carolina is throwing in McCaffrey, which if they have to do that, that's that's even more of a, like because to your point is great at, at this point if you're Houston you might have to throw your hands up and say hey this all right look we are we have no we are not built for any type of sustained success right now we are in a complete roster rebuild and Deshaun gives you at least a chance to get it back here and if you can find a quarterback and I don't know that this is where you feel bad for fit uh, like this is when I feel bad for like fans like the Houston Texans like they don't I mean, what, two years ago, they were up. What were they up against Kansas City in the playoffs? 24 to nothing. Like, and now we're, it's it's completely done, dismantled. Unbelievable. How? How is it? How can you do that to a, a great city and fan base like Houston? It, it That's where I get frustrated. And I don't know if Easterby, I don't know if he's qualified. I don't know enough about him. But that, it just sounds like a nightmare there. When I hear that they hired assistant coaches, before they even hired David Cully and the, and the Cully doesn't even know some of these guys. Are you kidding me? It's just sounds like a nightmare. That's insane. And you have that David Cully perspective and you're not alone. in in that perspective, I mean, this is somebody that you bring his name up around the NFL. Mm -hmm. And the first thing people say is he's a great person. What a good guy, which you're not going to hear them come out and say, what a great coach wide receiver coach in Kansas city when 
they went an entire season without a wide receiver catching a touchdown. I think it was the first time since 1964. Buffalo, as you've kind of noted on here, what happens if you guys draft Patrick Mahomes? Oh, he's got to work with Rick Dennison and David Culley. Culley had never coached quarterbacks before. Baltimore, dead last passing game. He's the passing game coordinator a year ago. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess he's an NFL lifer, and there's, you know, some upside to hmm. his perspective hmm. uh, over being the CEO. Like, I, I'll say this: there is somebody close to Deshaun Watson in the know who is adamant that the only reason that they kind of just settled on David Culley is they know they're going to lose. They know they're going to be bad. And they're just waiting out Josh McDaniels. It's kind of, I mean, isn't that something like I, I, the way I wrote it, I had to kind of cushion it with, well, like that's kind of a stretch because if you're hiring somebody to fire them, that's very rare. Um, but I mean, that is a terrible roster. They probably know it's a terrible roster. They probably know they're going to lose. David Culley is about as uninspiring of a hire as you can make a head coach. And we know this is Patriot South. I mean, Easterby to Casario. I mean, you can definitely connect dots there. Obviously, the Texans do not want this to get out because that would be tampering. You know, you are fine for this stuff, correct? Like, not exactly what you want, but um, it, it, it just kind of plays into the dis- to the dysfunction. And oh, by the way, the team president for the last, what, two decades or whatever it was just resigned. So, yeah, if I'm Deshaun Watson, get me the hell out of here. How many times have I said this on our show? Four things have to be in place. Ownership has to commit to winning. GM head coach, got to be synced up. Franchise quarterback, there are your four things. Houston, ownership, mess. GM and head coach, no relationship. They don't, crazy. They were put together. No quarterback because Deshaun's gone. Oh, and by the way, Bob Lamont represents Cully. Cesario and Easterby. Is that right? I didn't know that. That's what I heard. I, 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 can't, I I'm, it makes sense because Lamont gets all those Andy Reid assistants. So, yeah. um, and Cesario, when I heard that, this whole thing has just garbage written all over it. I hate it. I hate, I hate what they're doing to that, a great city and, and team that they had. If you're an objective football fan who just enjoys the sport, I mean, you got to want Deshaun Watson to get out of there by any means. Like, it's, <clears throat> it is sad to watch a talent like him waste away. And this is like the last player that you'd ever expect to just like demand a trade or hold out without, without just cause. <clears throat> I mean, you won't find one person who says a bad word about Deshaun Watson that's ever been in his life. Unbelievably unselfish. I mean, he just signed this contract. He wanted it to work. I think that's, I think he kind of signed it because he is a glass half full kind of guy. Like he's unbelievably positive and I'm, I'm sure he saw some red flags, but in his head is like, this can work. Like this can work. Let's make this work. Let's make this work. And he just kind of started looking at the situation like everybody else. and was like, this ain't going to work. Um, I think Miami could be a team though, Jim, like if Casario, if he really does like Tua, um, which could debate that but if he does then you take him you take the third overall pick back you take 18 you take a first the next year like who says no no i'm with you on that i i think i'm thinking more if deshaun can just get out of the afc because could we all be lucky enough where it's every year in the champ you know the championship games in the afc or mahomes versus wentz or mahomes versus josh allen nfc aaron Rodgers versus deshaun watson you know i 
that's the stuff I want to watch. That's yeah. that's and then we get to Sean and Mahomes in the Super Bowl, something like that. That's that's why I just want him out of the AFC, just so we can get that type of Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Don't you love those Watson Allen twice a year matchups though? I mean, that would be fun in the AFC. That'd be good. Yeah. That I mean, it would the Miami Buffalo rivalry would just go through the roof again. What do you think happens? Like if you were, I mean, if if you were a betting man, we really know you're not. You're not much of a gambler. Oh, but if speaking were, of that, yeah, I'm peeking up right now. Vermont's up seven with ten minutes to go, minus four. So I'm sweating this one out. Good old Vermont. Actually, they're playing UMBC, who and and this is an interesting game. It's on ESPNU, and neither team, but one of these teams will win this conference, and then they'll get into the big dance. So I'm doing a little scouting too. I'm not just just get, trying to win money. But um, anyway, back to the back to the best. I just want to see him in Carolina. I do. That's I I think they have. It sounds like to me they. I guess Miami has the ammo too. But I just, if you're Houston, wouldn't you get him out? Wouldn't you want to get him out of the conference though? Could you really live with yourself? You know, if he stays in the AFC. I mean, I don't know. It just seems to. It would just make matters worse. Yeah. Yeah, I, I unless it's a deal, it's just that much better, right? If Miami's deal is that much better than Carolina's, yeah, no, that, that's a great point. I, I just hope that they do wise up and are open to it. So it's it, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. I, I do love that it's kind of becoming the NBA and this player empowerment stuff. It's it's good for the game. Mm-hmm. It's 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 good to just to see like some of these archaic kind of rules in in the cba and i get it both sides signed the cba okay but like the, the whole idea of the franchise tag is bullshit like i love i love seeing players push back against this stuff because these things that have been taken for granted for years and years and years they're, they're not right like if a guy's in a terrible situation get yourself out of that situation it's well bill's fans your- aren't going to be upset that you know Stefan diggs wanted to get away from zimmer and get out of that offense you know just reading your article today on Allen Robinson with the Bears um, up at Go Long. It, <laughs> Thank you. It it almost made me angry, and it goes to why I'm always rooting for the players, because for him, for a guy like him, his talent level and his you know what he does, where, what he's earned in the NFL, and has not heard from that team and their front office is very. That's just so disappointing to me that he goes out there and puts his you know his body on the line, and and you don't even give them a call yet and say, Hey, you're in the plans. Hey, we, we want you long-term, you know, we're, we've got some other things we got to figure out. We want you long-term. I mean, that's, that's common courtesy to a guy that's played at a high level on a, quite frankly, uh, just a really a bum offense. I mean, I'll just say, you know, he, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, they're lucky to keep their jobs. You know, they're lucky to keep their jobs and you have a receiver like Allen Robinson and you don't reach out to him. That's, that's why I root for the players. That's why I always want them. I'm so happy to see these guys, you know, step up a little bit and enforce and, and issues because guess what? It goes to show you how much some of these front offices look at these guys like machines and not humans who are out there, you know, putting their, quite frankly, they're putting their life on the line. I know that's a little deep in football. I mean, it's a little bit over the top, but football, it's violent. You've been to all these games, you see these injuries, especially you think about receivers selling out for balls over the middle and the headshots they take. Oh. Allen Robinson has made some of the most, I can tell you this. I actually had somebody, well, from the bears, I won't say who, but he asked me between Allen Robinson and Sammy Watkins. And this is, I was out of the, you know, this is after we were fired. 
So I was, I was sitting in my beach house in Charleston, South Carolina. I get this phone call and he's like, who do you like better between Robinson and Sammy? And I said, honestly, I think Alan Robinson, because he made more spectacular kind of superstar catches and plays. I thought than Sammy made and Sammy's, you know, and Sammy's deal with the, the health was major. Mm-hmm. But for me, when he asked me that, because he was basically, that's who they were. They were deciding on who they were going to go after. And they made the right choice. They went for Robinson. They got him. And why are these teams not keeping these guys? I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, it, it, exam, you just nailed it. It's it's like, there. here's a team into this past season where the head coach, the GM, the quarterback, everybody's jobs are on the line. I mean, like, they, you're going into that year. You don't know what that, what's going to happen. And Alan Robinson's agent, Brandon Parker, the, the son of Eugene Parker, mm-hmm. who you guys have mm-hmm. probably dealt with, right? Like mm-hmm. yep. Sammy's agent. Um, so he reaches out to the bears and multiple times, at least three times over the course of the off season to initiate the conversation. And he was pretty blunt. He's like, this is kind of against conventional wisdom. Like it's kind of against what you're taught as an agent. Like you don't, you don't do that as the market's going up, but he did because all these other receivers were signing big contracts. I think the top five are what DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, and uh, was at the tip of my tongue. It's in my story. Anyways, so they're, you know, signing all these deals. The market's going up. They reach out and the Bears really don't want anything to do with them. Like they're not engaged. Um, it was just kind of awkward. They, 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 they kind of brushed it off as it wasn't even a conversation. It wasn't even a negotiation at all. But what, what happened? I want your perspective on this, Jim. Right before the season, they try to have a contract negotiation. Like right when a guy and a player is worried about getting hurt and want to you know, get that financial security and, and all that. It's not, not necessarily the best faith negotiating at that point. I get it. It's a tactic used by a lot of teams. But um, And those conversations were awkward and went nowhere and they were far apart and if you could i mean those who read the story saw this but basically like the bears wanted to lock alan robinson Mm -hmm. in long term rest of his career and it was below market so you know a year or two into this thing he would have been like the 20th 25th highest paid receiver and so alan i'm like hey i want to be a bear i he that's the thing he wanted a deal done yeah he wanted to be there but like, let's talk about the market. Let's talk about what's fair. Let's, let's, let's get to that number. And they were so far apart. It goes nowhere. After one week, Alan Robinson for one day asks for a trade, takes down all the Bears stuff on social media. The Bears basically, they, they come to him. They try to talk again. They're like, well, we're not getting anything done in a week. And Alan Robinson being Alan Robinson, he's not going to cause a scene. I mean, the next day he goes to work, he has a fantastic season. Season ends, he hasn't gotten a call from the Bears. Nothing. I mean, nothing from Ryan Pace on down. And, yeah, they're probably going to franchise tag him, at which point Allen Robinson is not going to want to be a Bear, and it could get ugly. I just remember interviewing Robinson at the Combine, <laughs> and he was so classy, and, and you never heard a bad word about him, you know, from any anybody at Penn State. And, obviously, um, Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien are best friends. And O'Brien coached him at Penn State. So we, we, we had, I mean, Alan Robinson is smart, football smart, loves the game. V- rarely do you get receivers that are 
that talented and bring zero maintenance. You know what I'm saying? You know how a lot of receivers just, they have some drama, some diva in them. Yeah. It's okay. But Robinson was not that guy. He doesn't and, have that in him at all. Right. I mean, right. And that's what I really loved about the fact that I love when, you know, when you get all this info, when guys are coming out of the draft and you look back and it's like dead on, you know, you got good info on that. And then when I read your story today, that's the first thing I thought was, man, he is the same person he was. He, he just plays football. You don't have to worry about him. There's nothing you have to worry about. I, I love players like that. When he has every reason to be oh. pissed, to be a diva, to cause a scene. They put Nick Foles in. I mean, three. let's start with the three years of Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, yeah. I mean, you, you, you deal with that. You, you tear your ACL in a contract year. I mean, talk about time. It, I mean, he had, he had 1,400 right, yards right. one of his healthy years. Right. Like, awful timing. You tear your ACL. You still get a deal that makes you the sixth high, highest paid receiver of the time with the Bears, a three-year deal, so you can get back to the table again for this point, for this offseason. And what happens when he gets to this point? What's his reward? He can't get a phone call from Ryan Pace and the Bears. I mean, I would be pissed. I'd be really uh, pissed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost hard to believe. It really is. Even though you usually have exit meetings, you know, and, and any, and, you know, those exit meetings after the season, you, you try to tell those guys, Hey, we, we have a plan in place. We're going to be reaching out to your agent, you know, prompt, we want you here, you know, and, and for him and he, yeah, I mean, I'm taking him by his word. We're assuming, you know, that he hasn't heard. Right. From them, but I can't, I don't see, see why he would, lie. I don't see, yeah. he's not, he doesn't seem like that at all. So this, this it just plays into this off season of just it's it's every week we you know yeah. we have something to dig in on it's it's fun it's it good. is it is and i tell you for being the kind of wide receiver in person that alan robinson is i mean to a t he, he is that and everybody who knows him says <clears> that i mean probably an hour and a half on the phone with him talking about this all and he could have easily gone another hour and a half i mean this is um a situation he's ready for i mean he he's prepared to I mean, as we wrote, like I asked, are you going to follow, you know, Watson, Diggs and Ramsey and all these guys who have kind of take back, taken back control of their careers and forced their way out of teams? And he said, yeah, basically said, yeah, we're the tag comes. It's definitely a possibility. So get the popcorn ready. As a wise man once said, uh, <laughs> any, any other dominoes like you're waiting to fall here, Jim, like that we should hit on. I think, I think those are the major ones. Um, yeah. I guess these past the pass rusher stuff will be fun in free agency. You know, I think there's some pretty good names in that crew. And I, you know, Watt, I think will be a nice pickup for somebody. I don't think he's the I don't think he's the dominant player that we think of as Watt, but you know, you're getting a good football player, you know, and the guys like that don't hurt your team at all. So I think that'll be a good, you know, that'll be an interesting one. Now, if somebody overpays for him, that would be one I'd say, ooh, you know, I at the right price he's he's perfect but you're not getting nfl defensive player of the year anymore. you're getting you're hoping for what two-year deal yeah we've seen all these guys do this he knows how to play the game he's he's gonna find a way you know his issue with me it's like can you count on him to to stay healthy at this point he hasn't made a pass game eight in three of the last five seasons Mm -hmm. i think that's concerning so that's why i said i wouldn't i wouldn't break the bank for him but if you get him at the right price that's a good one there was somebody pretty high up um, in one front office in the AFC. Um, and he, we were talking about this a couple of days ago. And he, he said, look, you know, 
you look at the other pass rushers that are available, mm-hmm. he wasn't really high on anybody else. Like, mm-hmm. you know, unique Ngakwe and I mean, Shaq Barrett's kind of his own beast. He'll probably be back in Tampa, but you think about Ngakwe, Bud Dupree's off of the ACL, Matt Judon, um, mm-hmm. is it Melvin Ingram? Is he in the mix mm-hmm. there? Mm-hmm. You know, he really was adamant that all these guys are just situational pass rushers and their liabilities against the run. And if Ngakwe is asking for 20 mil a year, like good luck, basically. Yeah, Which that's is, the problem. Know, I mean, it's great. Sorry to cut you out. Like Ngakwe in Jacksonville, I think right, he wanted 20 mil and they only wanted to give him 19 mil. Like, how do you not make that happen at that point? So <laughs> like, can, when we make our list of um, 30 for 30s that need to be done, you know, we talk about the Florida Gators. I've told you before, that's yeah. that's got to be the number one, the Urban Meyer Florida Gator years. Please do that one. Can we do can we do a 30 for 30 on some year on how good that Jacksonville, how much talent that Jacksonville team had, except for Blake Bortles? <laughs> I, I mean, oh, oh, my goodness, did they put together some, a defense like that was awesome. Yeah. And, and once again, how do you not make it work? It, it's just. I was just thinking about that when you're sitting there talking about it. I'm like, man, they had all those guys in Jackson. Yeah. I mean, that year was that year almost didn't even make sense. It didn't. I mean, how yeah. are they beating these teams with Blake Bortles? They had God, I mean, Calais Campbell, <clears throat> Negan Gakway, Malik Jackson, right on the oh, yeah. tackle. They're secondary. That's secondary. Jaylen Ramsey. They, yeah. But boy, I think Boye AJ was Boye had an amazing year yeah. that season. He just got cut by Denver. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so much talent. I mean, but I guess if you're looking for a D end, I mean, like the Bills, I mean, they they do need to get somebody that can rush the passer. I think that's where I would say that the Bills should overpay for one of those guys because of the impact and the playmaking. And tell me if I'm dead wrong. No, no, I like I agree with you. I don't I think pass rusher is overpaying would it would have to be one of those we'd have to see it to say, was it really overpaying? Cause I, there was other than after quarterback, give me pass rushers. Yeah. So one of those guys has to work out for, for somebody. Yeah. And I, if it's, if it's one of, one of those guys versus what, I don't know. I don't know what I'd lean toward. And Guaco, I would, I would take him over Watt. Would you? I do. I, I think he's pretty consistent with his ability to pressure the quarterback. And I love the way he plays. And yeah, liability against the run. You, you'll, you'll figure that out as you yeah. go. Scheme wise, <laughs> I mean, you can. Yeah, you can. You'll figure it out. It's not like those guys aren't tough enough or want to play. You know, they'll play the run. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we got to definitely do this in person, Jim. I miss you. We got to like. And next week, I'm ready. Uh, this, I'm Let's off. Yep. I'm coming off IR. I'm coming on. I'm coming back. I like it. I like it. Hopefully you'll have your, you know, taste buds back too by then. That'd be good. Like I said, I just want to feel it. So the hoptimonium <laughs> sounds perfect. You'll definitely feel it the next day after a few of those bad boys. Live that. But it's 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 so good. Definitely. Everybody check it out. And and please just follow me on Twitter wherever for these deals because I'll definitely keep giving away beer if you subscribe and you can subscribe anytime. Go along TD.com. We're gonna we're gonna hit the draft hard, Jim. I was just talking to a couple prospects the other day. So Definitely want to try to get to know these guys. I'm going to start breaking down some uh, tape. I want to break down these quarterbacks a little bit. I have some college film I'm going to watch. So I, 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 that would be fun. We'll get, we got to get into that. Never, I mean, draft season is, I mean, it never really ends at this point. Yeah, let's right? get into it. Yep. Great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. We will uh, catch you next week and we'll let you know. Uh, so you can hang out with us live if you'd like. Thank you. Thank you.